continue with the series of um, the foundation doctrines as taught us in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. And those foundational doctrines are um, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And we're dealing with the, the topic of eternal judgment, which is the last or the sixth one out of the uh, six foundational doctrines taught to the church. And um, with regards to this uh, topic of eternal judgment, the section that we actually are looking at is the saints' judgment. Uh, we've looked at the fact that there is, in fact, a judgment that will be incurred by the saints. We also saw the, briefly that there's a judgment that will be incurred by the unbelievers, and there are two separate judgments. The uh, saints' judgment will take place um, before the, the uh, unbelievers' judgment, which will take place at the end of the age. And so we're dealing specifically in this series of teachings with uh, the judgment that the saints will incur. Um, and we've seen a very specific scripture along the line about the fact that the saints, in fact, will be judged by our Lord Jesus. We saw that the saints will not incur a judgment of condemnation. Our salvation is assured for we have been um, bought and paid for through the blood of Christ. We've passed from death to life and we will not come into condemnation. However, our works will be judged. We've had a look at that. <clears throat> And so we had a look at in our previous teaching, I just wanted to recap on the previous teaching, um, the fact that because the saints are going to be judged, we're all going to stand before Christ Jesus, our Lord, on that particular day and give an account of our lives to Him, um, that we need to be focused on that particular day and focused on the prize. Uh, for it is a day when rewards will be given to the saints. Um, some saints uh, sadly will actually lose out on their rewards because of the lifestyle that they led on the earth and we'll have a look at that in a bit more detail as we get into the teaching but we just want to do uh, to emphasize the fact that as believers we need to be approaching our day of judgment with purpose and not just you know whatever happens happens you know at least I know I'm saved um, and we saw that that is not exactly a wise way that we are to approach our day of judgment our lord does not um, approve of that kind of an approach and the scripture is very plain to us that we need to be approaching our day of judgment with purpose and um, scriptures that we had a look at we i'll just uh, recap again is in 1 corinthians chapter 9 beginning at verse 24 the apostle paul writing to the church he says do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we and for an imperishable crown therefore i run thus not with uncertainty thus i fight not as one who beats the air but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when i have preached to others i myself should become disqualified and so the Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture was likening his uh, Christian race to a race in the Olympics. And uh, we saw that the Olympic Games were part of the, the uh, Roman Empire in the day of Paul, and the Olympic Games are with us today. And so the analogy is very uh, clear to us because uh, an Olympic athlete prepares long before their event, um, um, eight years minimum. Uh, before the event in order for them to achieve gold and they become very focused on that particular event. They, all of their 
um, energies are poured into attaining gold uh, on that particular day. And they prepare for years in advance. They prepare physically and, 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 and also psychologically. Um, and they're competing with the best in the world when they uh, enter into the event. And so it's not just a case of, well, whatever happens, happens. No, these are, athletes are, are focused on obtaining their prize. And Paul is saying he runs his race, his Christian race, in exactly the same manner. And he encourages us to do exactly the same. And so the, the, the analogy is very clear for the Christian, is that we should be approaching our day of judgment uh, with focus in order to obtain the prize. For we saw that there's no way we're going to begin any crown unless we uh, earn those crowns. For the crowns that are going to be given out on that day are not given freely. They have to be earned. And that flies in the face of uh, the teaching about uh, not doing any works, um, but we don't want to go down that road today. The other scripture we looked at was in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Again, the Apostle Paul writing to the church. And it, really, we get a lot of the revelation about our day of judgment through the Apostle Paul, purely because our Lord had given to him so much revelation in, in the Word of God. And uh, verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if any, anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal this to you. And so... Um, Paul had learned the lesson of forgetting everything that has fallen behind him. And he's, he's talking about his, his life before he came into the kingdom, uh, for he put in that passage of scripture in context, he put forward his uh, experience in Judaism, how he had excelled in that particular religion, but that he realized that that uh, all counted for nothing once he came into the kingdom of God. And so Paul had learned, and also he obviously... Uh, put forward the example of the fact that he had persecuted the church even unto death. And so he had f learned to forget everything that occurred prior to him coming into the kingdom. And he realized that he would be held accountable for everything that took place in his life after he came into the kingdom of God. And so one of the things that we have to have as Christians in order to focus on the prize that is set before us is to have the mindset that anything that, is, that took place in our lives before we came into the kingdom of God does not count for anything in heaven. Um, God the Father doesn't recall those incidents anymore because that person died. For we were in Christ and when we were baptized into Christ, our old man died. And so heaven doesn't recognize the um, old man that existed before our Lord Jesus, before we came into the kingdom of God. And then we looked at uh, the examples given to us in Scripture on how we are to approach this day of judgment. And we looked at our Lord as being one of the examples uh, that we should uh, look at and, and we should emanate because, you know, Christ is actually the ultimate example in every area of our lives. We should always look unto our Lord as the example of how we should live our lives. And our Lord looked His life on the earth um, with, with focus 
on that which he was sent to the earth to do. Uh, in the scripture we can have a look at um, is in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that he set before us. There's another picture of this race that is set before us. And the Christian life is very often likened unto a race. And uh, in order to win your race, you have to prepare for that race and you have to be focused during your race. Um, it's not a stroll in the park. It's a race that we are actually competing in. Verse 2. Now look at this. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus is our example. We should always look to our Lord Jesus in every aspect of our lives, but in this aspect as well. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so our Lord Jesus was focused on the end prize. He despised the shame. He endured the cross, but he did it for the joy that was set before him. He knew the result of what he was about to accomplish. He knew what the prize was. God the Father had um, presented to him what his inheritance would be if he would do the will of the Father. And so our Lord uh, humbled himself to the point of death, death on the cross, and he did the will of the Father. And because he did the will of the Father, he then was able to receive his prize uh, at the end of his race. Um, and we pick that up in our Lord's Prayer in John's Gospel, John chapter 17, beginning at verse 4. Our Lord praying, and he says to God the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And so our Lord Jesus Christ came to the earth for a very specific purpose. And his purpose was to do the will of the Father. And that is what he came to the earth to do, to accomplish the work of the Father. And once he had done that, he, 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 when he got to the end of his race, he knew he completed the work that the, the Father had given him to do. For he said, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And because he had finished the work, he said, and now, Father, glorify me together with you, with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And that other scripture we looked at in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. And so that joy was set before our Lord Jesus, and it was because he had his eyes focused on the joy that was set before him, he could endure the cross, despising the shame. He didn't enjoy what he went through. However, he, his focus was on the joy that was set before him, and he completed the work, and he knew that he would then receive the glory from the Father that he had before he ever came to the earth because he completed the work of the Father. And so our Lord Jesus was very focused in his life on the earth. And uh, he is our example. We are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're to follow his example. But then we also looked at Paul as our, our example. For Paul more than once said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so Paul put himself forward to the church as an example that we can look to and because a lot of people struggle to look at our Lord Jesus as an example because their, their mindset still views the Lord as being God and which he was but they, they struggle with the concept of uh, that Jesus when he was on the earth walked the earth as a man just as you and I walk on the earth without any sin 
um, well pleasing to the Father, but nevertheless uh, well able to commit sin just as we do. However, he never did. And so he is our ultimate example. But I understand a lot of uh, Christians struggle to look at our Lord as an example. But we can look at Paul as an example, for he was a man just like you and I, born again just like you and I. And he put himself forward as an example to the church. And so in his uh, letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. There's that word race again. And so again, we see time and time again, the Christian walk in this earth is likened unto a race. And a race that one enters into, um, normally one enters into a race in order to win the, that race or to attain goal for, for want of a better word. Um, and so that is how we should uh, be conducting our Christian walk here on the earth. But Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so here we see Paul is exactly in the same mindset as our Lord, in that he has completely focused on his race. Now, when he gets to the end of his race, for this is one of the things we emphasized in the previous teaching, that this is the, the, the way that all Christians should end their lives on this earth, is that they should be able to say, as our Lord said to God the Father, and as, our, as Paul said to our Lord Jesus, that we have finished our race, we've, we've fought the good fight, we've, we've completed the work that you've given us to do in the earth, Lord. Now, Lord, receive us into glory with you. And Paul says, he says it in slightly different term, terminology, but he's saying the same thing that our Lord said. And he's saying that at the end of his life, because when he wrote this letter to Timothy, his time to leave the planet was uh, drawing very close. Uh, it wasn't very long after this that Paul actually went to be with the Lord. And so Paul was very confident when he got to the end of his life that he had finished his race and he had uh, run his course and he had completed the work that the Lord had given him, given him to do. And he was assured of the crown of righteousness that he would receive from the Lord on that day. And so Paul um, closed off his life on the earth um, com uh, with, with full confidence and assurance that he had done the will, the will of the Father and the will of the Lord Jesus for his life even as our Lord had full assurance as well. And all believers should be like that when they get to the end of their lives. But so many Christians get to the end of their lives and they still just, you know, hope that they have done what they should have done because, they, you know, if they missed out, they missed out. They, you know, because they haven't really uh, sought the Lord and sought His will for their lives so that they can... Uh, focus on the prize that is laid up for them in heaven and stored up for them in heaven. And we saw that that is not uh, the way that we should be approaching our, our, our day of judgment. And then we saw that we're to forget the past. And we've already discussed on, on that about how Paul is, uh, he forgot. He said, forgetting those things which lie behind. Uh, he pressed on to those things which are, are ahead, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we definitely have to have that mindset. We must always be focused on attaining the prize that uh, God has laid up in store for us and living in that manner so that we can uh, receive that prize. And so today we want to have a look at, with regards to the, the, the judgment of the saints, exactly when the saints will be judged. 
for it's very important for us to have a clear understanding of that concept. And the reason that we want to really just uh, clarify that in today's teaching is because there is um, and has been a number of false doctrines and false teachings brought into the body of Christ regarding uh, rewards given to the church and regarding um, what the saints are in fact doing in heaven at the moment. And if we have, and again, we don't forget, we're dealing with the foundation doctrines of Christ. These are the, the, the basic principles taught to all baby believers as we come into the kingdom of God. And we said, if we have strong foundations, we can always then benchmark any teachings that we receive during our Christian walk against these foundations. And if they fall outside of the, 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 the foundation, so to speak, that we built, we were really laid, well, then we know, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this teaching because it's not lining up with the foundation that, I have been, that has been built into my life. And so one of the foundations that we have is obviously eternal judgment and exactly when that judgment occurs and what is the result of that judgment. Um, and you will see as we go through this particular aspect of the teaching today, the reason why it is actually quite important for us to understand just when the saints, in fact, will be judged for, uh, the, as I say, there has been some... Uh, false doctrine that has been put out into the church, even in the modern church, about uh, rewards given to saints and when those rewards are given and also what the saints are in fact doing in heaven. And so we'll see from scripture exactly what the Bible says about this, for it is very important for us to always reference what people tell us when they say they've had visions. Um, and we always reference that back to what the Word of God says. If it lines up with the Word of God, the vision is obviously of God. If it does not line up with the Word of God, then the vision is obviously not of God and we can ignore it. And so we will see um, in the teaching that we'll go through today that when the saints fall asleep, for that's what the scripture talks about when saints die, is that we fall asleep. Now, the, top, the, the, the kind of um, aspect you need to get your mind around when it says we fall asleep, it's actually our bodies, our physical bodies that fall asleep. For the, the spirit of man never sleeps, in fact. Uh, even while we're on the earth, our spirit never sleeps. And so the spirit, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So we don't go and our Lord tuck us, tucks us into bed when we get into heaven and uh, lets us have a good old sleep. Not at all. We're, we're with the Lord and we're very conscious of our, our, our presence with the Lord and His presence, being in His presence. Um, but the body, in fact, it falls asleep for the body is then sowed into the earth. And it's our bodies that will be raised again on, on the last day. And so that's just a bit of an aside, but that's what it really means when Christians fall asleep. It's their bodies that, in fact, fall asleep, not the, 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 the spirit of man. Um, and so when we go to be with the Lord Jesus, um, when we die physically, we go to heaven to rest from our labors. Um, the scripture is very plain. We're going to have a look at scripture, a number of scriptures along that line today. But we go there to rest from our works. Uh, that is what the saints are currently doing in heaven today, those who have fallen asleep in Christ. And the first scripture that we'll open up with on the, along that line is in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Um, 
and the Apostle John is relating the, the vision to us. And he said, when he opened the fifth seal, speaking of our Lord Jesus, our Lord is opening the seven seals. He's taken the scroll out of the Father's hand, for he's the only one in who is worthy in heaven, on earth, and under the earth to look upon the scroll in the Father's hand and to take the scroll out of our Father's hand and to open its seven seals. For he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed and he has overcome. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And so he has prevailed. He has overcome. He is worthy to take the scroll out of our Father's hand. He is in this uh, vision given to John. He begins to open the, the seven seals on that scroll. And he now, our Lord now gets to the point where he opens the fifth seal on that scroll. And John is relating what he saw when our Lord Jesus opened the fifth seal. He says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so here we have a picture of the martyrs, the Lord's martyrs, for these have been killed for the Lord Jesus. They have been killed for the testimony of God, for the word of God. And this is all of the Lord's martyrs, right from Abel. Abel is the first martyr, for he was killed for his righteousness. His brother Cain was of the wicked one, and his brother killed him because he were, his works were righteous and Cain's were evil. And so Cain killed Abel. Uh, Cain is in hell today, and he's been held there for in torment for his day of judgment. Whereas Abel is under the altar of God and has been there for the last 6,000 years. Now, every other uh, saint of the Lord who has been martyred for the Lord has gone directly to dwell under the altar of God. Now, that is where they are residing. It gives us a bit of an indication uh, with regards to the day of judgment um, that there is definitely different degrees of reward that will be given to different saints. For the, the saints who have been martyred for the Lord have all been counted worthy. Um, doesn't say that in this particular passage of Scripture, but in other parts of the Bible, it's only those who are counted worthy who suffer for the Lord and certainly who um, suffer uh, martyrdom for the Lord Jesus. And so all of these saints are dwelling under the altar of God. Now, they are completely separated from the rest of the saints of God. For it's not all the saints who dwell under the altar of God. It is only those who have uh, been martyred for the Lord Jesus. Um, they, they are under the, the altar of God. But look at what, is, uh, and they've been there, as I say, since Abel uh, was the first one there, and all of them have been there ever since. And, you know, our Lord spoke about all the martyrs under the old covenant as well. And it says that they're there until both the number of their fellow servants, this is verse 11, and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. Now that has not happened yet because not all of the saints who are to be martyred for the Lord, have, that number has not yet been completed. For there are multitudes still to be martyred for the Lord, especially as we go into the end of the age uh, when the reign of the Antichrist comes onto the earth. The Bible speaks of myriads that will be martyred for the Lord uh, during his reign on the earth. 
And so they will also then join the rest of the martyrs who are currently dwelling under the altar of God. So they're, they're not um, standing before the throne of God. They are under the altar of God. Now, the terminology I really want to emphasize for today's teaching is in, again in verse 11. He says, Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. So the scripture is very plain to us that from the time of Abel up until that present time, which was now 2,000 years ago, so that when John sees his vision, uh, a period of 4,000 years has elapsed. And another period of 2,000 years has since elapsed since John saw his vision. And at the time that these saints, that John sees these saints under the altar of God, the scripture says that they should rest a little while longer. So the Bible is saying they've been there for, Abel has been there for 4,000 years, and there's been a whole bunch of, of saints that have joined him over that period of time. But heaven views that as to be uh, being a little while. 4,000 years to us on the earth is a long while, but in heaven it's a little while. The reason that heaven looks at things like that is because in heaven, outside of the earth, there is, outside of time, there is eternity, and heaven is in eternity. And the spirit world is in eternity. And there is no time in eternity. There is no distance in eternity. There is no time in eternity. And so what to us is a, a period of now 6,000 years to heaven is just a little while, just a short space of time. And that is how heaven views it. But the other point that I want to bring across here is that there are all, all of these saints are resting in heaven. And they've been told to rest a little while longer. It means that they are still resting in heaven. The martyrs of our Lord Jesus and, and God the Father um, are resting under the altar of God. There is no work being done by them. They are not laboring in heaven. They are not doing any works. They are resting. You say, well, you know, that, that's a long time to rest. No, again, we need to have, have, get, get our minds around the fact that eternity is different, completely different to what we experience here on the earth. And we're bound by time. They're outside of time. And so what to us is a long period of time, to them is a little while. And they have been resting for that little while. No works being done by any of the Lord's martyrs. And no works to be done. They're all resting until their number is completed. Their number has not yet been completed. Their number will only be completed at the end of the age when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. But the point I wanted to get across on this, in that particular scripture is that the saints under the altar of God clearly, the scripture tells us, uh, are resting and they have been resting and they, they will continue to rest until such a time as their number is completed. And as I, I've mentioned, that number has not yet been completed. It will be completed when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth because the saints will be uh, martyred under the reign of the Antichrist right up until the time that the church is taken out of the earth. Um, and I'm not going to go into the end. You can uh, look at the series of teachings that we did on the, on the, the resurrection of the dead. That deals with that uh, topic in more detail. And then another scripture we can look at is in Revelation again. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. The scripture says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So very clearly, all saints, that's why the scripture says, Blessed are they who die in the Lord from now on, because they 
rest from their labors. So all the saints who, who fall asleep in Christ Jesus, they go to be with the Lord, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They go to be with the Lord Jesus and they go to rest from their labors, from their works. Their works follow them, the Bible says, and their works will follow them. And the reason that their works will follow them is because the works that we do here on the earth, we don't build with bricks and mortar. We build with silver, gold, and precious stone. Some build with wood, hay, and stubble, and that uh, doesn't last. But silver, gold, and precious stones last for all eternity. And so what we build with is that which we impart into the lives of fellow believers. Now, what we impart into the lives of unbelievers will also be burned up on that day because... Um, no unbeliever will last for all eternity. Or I don't want to go down that road. But um, the, what we build into the lives of the church of our Lord Jesus, the Bible teaches us that we can build with silver, gold, and precious stones. And so our works follow us. The reason our works follow us is because that which we build into the lives of others, when we go to be with the Lord, they in turn follow after us to be with our Lord Jesus. And so our works, that's our works that follow after us on that day. You remember when our Lord was speaking about um, he would judge and he would separate the goats from the sheep and he would say, you know, you guys, um, let's just deal with the sheep first. And he said, um, you know, uh, when I was in uh, thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was sick, you, you prayed for me. Uh, those things. And, and the sheep would say, Lord, when did we do that to you? And the Lord would say, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so that is what we will see on that day. That which we have done and built into the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ around us will be there for all eternity. And those will be the works that will follow after us and be uh, rewarded on that day. But at this point in time, uh, all saints who go to be with Jesus Christ are resting. Their works are still following them. Their works haven't finished yet, but their works are still following. We'll have a look at the fact that our works have not yet finished in the earth, even those who have already gone to be with our Lord Jesus. Um, their works are still following them into heaven but they are currently resting from their labors. There is no laboring taking place by any saints in heaven today. No saints are, are, are doing any sort of work. They're there in the presence of God and they're resting in the presence of God. Um, and we don't want to really go into what does that rest entail because we dealt with that particular topic um, under the, 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 the foundation doctrine of, of the resurrection of the dead. There's a lot more detail there. But another scripture that highlights the fact that the saints in heaven are currently resting and not doing any laboring at all is in Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. And the, the angel Gabriel is speaking to Daniel and telling him what is in store for him. And he says, but you, Daniel, does, I put in the word Daniel, let's just say, but you uh, go your way till the end. He's talking about till the end of his life. For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. And so here the angel Gabriel is telling Daniel, go your way um, until the end, which is the end of his natural life. He would then die. And when he died, the angel Gabriel likened it to resting. He says, for you shall rest and will arise 
to your inheritance when? At the end of the days. So Daniel was not going to be, when he died physically, enter into his inheritance straight away. He was not going to uh, be absent from his body and then walk into the, the, the inheritance that has already been laid up in heaven for him. That's not the case at all. The scripture is very plain to us and will arise. When, when is Daniel going to arise? Daniel will, will arise at the resurrection of the dead. Uh, again, go back to the doctrine of the uh, resurrection of the dead and you'll understand that there is a first resurrection and a second. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the saints. And Daniel is part of that resurrection. And when he arises on that day, on at that resurrection, that is when he will uh, arise to his inheritance, which is at the end of the days. But currently, Daniel is resting in heaven with the rest of the saints who are resting in heaven as well. Now, again, the, the scripture teaches us that the martyrs are resting in one location. They're under the altar of God. None of the other saints are under the altar of God. The other saints or in a different location. You recall when our Lord took Paul to heaven, he took him twice, and the one, one account Paul goes to the third heaven, the other account Paul goes to paradise. The chances are that the, the saints are resting in paradise. Um, because remember our Lord Jesus, when he was on the cross, and the, the, the criminal that was next to him said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom, when you come into your kingdom. And our Lord said, I'll tell you this day, you will be with me. We're in paradise. And so... It seems that that's where the, the, the rest of the saints are located in heaven, in a place called paradise. Um, it, it's likened unto the Eden of God. Um, it's not the city of Jerusalem. Again, we don't want to go down that road today because there's much more we can touch on and we will during the series of teachings. But the saints are resting in um, paradise. Um, the, 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 the martyrs are resting under the altar of God not in the city of Jerusalem, they're under the altar of God, and the saints are resting with our Lord Jesus Christ in paradise. For God is omnipresent, and so wherever, uh, the, saint, wherever the saints are, so our Lord Jesus is present as well. Anyway, the point is that Daniel is resting as well. We saw in Revelation that all the saints who die in the Lord now uh, rest from their labors and their works follow them. And we saw all of the saints under the, the altar of God who have been martyred for the Lord and they have been resting and continue to rest under the altar of God until such a time as their number is completed. And so that is where, what the, the, the status is of the saints in heaven currently. That is what they are doing. They are resting. Now, it's not, again, don't forget about the fact that they're outside of time. With our Lord, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Now, we don't do that math and just say, okay, well, that means that literally. Now, what the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us is that in eternity, it's outside of time. Time is not present in eternity. Time is in this realm that we dwell in. Um, and there's also, as I said, there's no distance in eternity. That's why the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is immediate because there's no distance in the spirit realm. Um, and so when the believers uh, go to be with our Lord Jesus, once they fall asleep, they go there to, be, to, to rest. Now, one of the things that we understand on this earth is that 
part of our laboring, because we do, we labor for the Lord. We are fellow laborers together with the Lord. And that's something that we also need to get our minds around, that we do need to complete works on the earth. Our Lord Jesus came to do and complete the work of the Lord on the earth. And he said to the disciples at one time when they were, they, they said, you know, Rabbi, eat. They went to into the town, I think it was Sychar, to get food. And they brought the food back to him. And uh, he wasn't eating. And, they, and he said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And he went on to tell them that the food that he had to eat, uh, had, that he could eat of, was to do the will of the Father. And that is the food that a lot of Christians do not partake of on the earth, is doing the will of the Father, doing the will of the Lord Jesus. We need to be doing the will of the Lord. We need to be completing the works given to us to do on the earth. Uh, the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 10, I think it is, says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we should walk in the good works that our Lord Jesus has prepared for us. God, our Father, has prepared for us. But a lot of Christians don't. A lot of Christians, their viewpoint is that's works. I'm of faith, and so I don't do any works. And that's missing the boat entirely. We don't do any works to come into the kingdom of God. But once we're in the kingdom of God, we do do works. We are God's fellow laborers. And our, our, we, um, our works will follow us. And that's what we're meant to be doing. Um, and part of the works that we do here on the earth is to pray, is to spend time laboring in prayer for one another and obviously for the kingdom of God. The scripture we can have a look at is in Colossians chapter 4, uh, verse 12. Um, Paul write, writing, re, re, relating to the church at Colossae, or Colossae um, and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, speaking of being a Gentile, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in, the will of, in all the will of God. And so very clearly, um, part of the laboring that the church does here on the earth is prayer. We are to labor in prayers before God our Father for our fellow believers. Um, and that is what he's called us to do. For our Lord Jesus has made us to be what? Both kings and priests unto God our Father. Now that's right now. Not when we're going to get to heaven. We've been, we have already been made kings and priests. And it's up to us to enter into our roles and into, into uh, the authority given to us as kings, but also to enter into our priestly ministry. And the priestly ministry is to offer up sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise and worship unto God, and also to offer up prayers unto God. For the scripture very clearly tells us and teaches us that the prayers which the saints on the earth offer up before, God are offered up as incense before God in heaven. And so the prayers that we utter on this earth become incense in heaven. And those incense are presented before the Lord uh, as an acceptable sacrifice unto him. But how those, that incense gets there is we labor in prayers down here. And so the church on the earth labors in prayer. But the church in heaven does not, for the church in heaven has ceased from her laboring. Her, her works have come to an end. Her, they, they finished, remember Paul said, I've finished my race. Our Lord said, I've finished my work. You say, yeah, but Jesus intercedes for us. He's, he's the only one. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father. The scripture is very plain about that. Jesus does intercede for his saints. But he is the only one who intercedes to God the Father. 
in heaven. The rest of the saints know. The rest of the saints have ceased from their laboring. They are all resting. Their works will follow and are following them at, even at this point in time. But they are resting in heaven. Um, and so no saints are laboring in prayer before the throne. No saints are laboring in prayer for other saints on the earth. Paul um, made this comment. He said in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, he said, my little children, for whom I what? I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about prayer, prayer of intercession. He's laboring in prayer for uh, Christ to be formed in the saints that he had ministered to and he had witnessed to. And so that is the laboring that Paul was doing. And he likened it to the labor of a woman who, who goes into labor when she brings forth uh, in, in, in birth. And that is what we're doing here on the earth. But again, the saints in heaven do not do that. Because remember, Paul said, I've run my race. I've finished my course. And so now he was going to rest. He was not going back into heaven to continue laboring for the saints on the earth. Not at all. His time of laboring was while he was on the earth. And that is why it's so important for us as Christians to be uh, fully immersed in the work given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And not to miss out on anything because it's here that we bear fruit for all eternity. Not in heaven. Once we get into heaven, that's it. The, the doors are shut with regards to the work that we can. We, there's no more work. Now we enter into our rest, waiting for a specific day. And that day is our day of judgment, which is, which is to come. But we need to be doing our, all of our laboring here on the earth. And um, there is no sense who are busy laboring in prayer in heaven. Now, that's one of the false visions that have come out into the church over the centuries. This has not happened just once. Satan has put this kind of vision into the church time and time and time and time again, that there are the people who have seen saints praying in heaven um, for the saints on the earth, and that is absolute rubbish. That's completely against the Scripture, and the Bible does not teach us that at all. In fact, it teaches us completely contrary to that. Now, the, way, the reason that Satan Satan brings that particular picture into the church is because he what he tries to do is to then deceive the saints into saying okay well if the other saints in heaven are praying for me then I can actually petition them to pray for me because I mean they should know how to pray correctly shouldn't they in fact they do the Bible has that they have perfect knowledge Paul talks about the fact that when the perfect has come, the perfect comes when we go to be with our Lord Jesus. Our spirits are perfect already. They're born again. And uh, they may, may not be mature, but they are certainly perfect. Our knowledge is not yet perfect. Therefore, we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. Now, when does the perfect come? The perfect comes in our knowledge, our understanding, when we are depart to be with Christ. That's when the saints have perfect knowledge. But at that time, they are no longer praying because if they could pray, they could pray perfectly the perfect will of God in every, every situation because they know everything perfectly once they're in heaven. And their prayers would be answered completely and everything would just be fall into complete perfect line. Kind of, you know, that kind of sounds weird, but that's what in fact would happen. But they don't pray because they have now entered into a time of rest. We're running our race. It's our race we're running. The Bible teaches us they're witnessing our race and the race that they, all that the saints are in heaven are, are interested in is our spiritual progress. That which we're making, the progress we're making in our race. But they're not 
interceding for us that we would uh, win our race or, or complete our race. Not at all. They are witnesses. That's all they are. They are witnesses to our race. But they are certainly not interceding on our behalf because they have entered, they've completed their race. They're rooting for us. They really would like us and they rejoice when they see progress being made. But it's not a case of they are laboring in birth until Christ is formed in us. Not at all. And so again, as I say, Satan brings that into the church to try and deceive saints to willing to petition other saints uh, that they would then pray to God the Father on our behalf. And that is again against the scriptures completely because our Lord Jesus has taught us very clearly that under the new covenant, we are to pray to God the Father through the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. That is, those are the prayers that are heard by God the Father for the saints. We pray directly to God the Father. Remember our Lord said, in that day I don't say that, I will, that you will ask me to pray on your behalf. There you are, even our Lord says, you're not to ask me to pray on your behalf because I'm not going to do it. Because the Father himself loves you and you are to pray directly to God the Father in my name. So even as our Lord Jesus prayed directly to God the Father, He's in t teaching us and encouraging us to pray directly to God our Father in His name through the Spirit of God. And that is how the saints pray to God the Father. We do not pray through another saint. Um, and so you have uh, a whole lot of uh, the church who have been deceived into praying to various St. Luke, St. John, St. Paul, uh, St. Mary, and so all of these different saints. And they, you know, won't you please pray to God for me? And all of those prayers completely are unheard. They're, they're meaningless. They account, mean for, they account for nothing because we are called to pray to directly to God the Father. And we're called to pray in the name of Jesus through the Spirit of God. That is how we pray. And those prayers are heard by God the Father. And those prayers get answered if we pray in faith. And so there are no saints in heaven today who are praying uh, on our behalf. Um, and I think I've, I've, I've covered enough on that. Now, one of the things that we have a look at is that our works would follow us. And one of the things we need to understand, the concept that we need to understand, is that the, uh, heaven, when the Day of Judgment occurs, the Bible speaks about the fact that books will be opened. And when the books are opened, our lives are recorded in those books. And we will be now rewarded according to what was, or not rewarded, um, according to what is written in those books. Now those books have not yet been closed. Even for the saints who have since gone to be with the Lord and have now gone to rest, Daniel for argument's sake. Daniel is still reaping rewards today for his life that he lived. Now Daniel would have lived roughly about 3,000 years ago. Um, so he's been in heaven for the last 3,000 years. And he is still reaping rewards for eternity. Now you say, how's that possible? I mean, he's, he's been in heaven for, with the Lord for the last 3,000 years. Technically, he hasn't actually, but be that as it may, he's currently there now. And he's been with our Lord now for that period of time. But he's still reaping reward even on the earth today. You say, how's that possible? Well, it's very possible because in the Bible, we have the book of Daniel. Daniel wrote that book. And everything that he wrote in that book, it was inspired by God, is blessing the church, the body of Christ today. 
And so saints today, I get blessed when I read the book of Daniel. And that builds into my life silver, gold, and precious stones. Now, believe you me, that which is being built by the Holy Spirit, because God then takes His Word and He builds that into my life, and I get blessed through it, and I can walk in the light of that and rejoice in it. But I guarantee you that part of that blessing that I am blessed with Daniel is going to be rewarded with on that day because it's his book that is blessing me. He wrote it. He, that's his work. He's a fellow laborer together with God. I understand that concept. And only that which we do as fellow laborers together with God is going to be silver, gold, and precious stones to last for all eternity. The books of the Bible, believe you me, last for all eternity. The Word of God never fails. And so Daniel is still being blessed today. He has not yet received his reward from God. We saw that he will only get his inheritance at the resurrection at the last day. But what I, the point I want to get across here is that the fruit of his labors are still being built up. His, his inheritance is absolutely astounding. And I'm just putting forward Daniel as one. We've got Moses, all of the books of the Bible. So everybody who contributed to the books of the Bible, and even the people who didn't physically write the books in the Bible, but their stories, their lives, their, their testimonies, which are recorded, are bearing fruit for them for eternity. Because what Ruth has done, she didn't write anything in the Bible, but what she's done... Um, is blessing me and blessing myriads and has blessed myriads of the Lord's saints right from the, the time the book of Ruth was written up until now, until our Lord returns. And so these saints, all of them who are mentioned in Scripture, are, are still reaping eternal rewards and that, that the, the accounting books have not yet been closed. And so the, the final tally hasn't yet been made. And so they are all still reaping eternal fruit for eternity. Now, that's just the Bible. Now, you think about the, the saints of today and the various media, media uh, options that are available to the saints today, the myriads of books that are written uh, by uh, the Lord's apostles and his prophets that are blessing the body of Christ, that have been blessing the body of Christ for centuries. Think of Spurgeon, think of Moody, think of all of these great men of God who have left the church with writings. Think about the, the hymns that we sing. Um, uh, that the people sing, which are, you know, the amazing grace that has, been, has blessed the body of Christ for hundreds of years now. And has, believe you me, all of that is accruing to eternal fruit for those who were used of the Lord to do those works. And think about uh, the, the media today, there's, there's DVD, you're looking at a DVD right now, you're looking at, at a video recording right now. And this, if it, it being used of the Lord, is uh, as I'm being used as a fellow laborer together with the Lord, is building into your life with silver, gold, and precious stones. And that is bearing fruit for all eternity. And so the point is that I want to get across here. The books are not closed. The tally's not yet been made. And so not one single saint in heaven has received any reward from the Lord. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the main reasons is because the books are not yet closed. So it's not a case of God says, okay, well, here's your, your inheritance, and then about a thousand years later comes, oh, okay, I, I gave you that as your inheritance, but I see there's a whole lot more we still owe you, so we'll just add that on. And then another thousand, now we'll add that on. No, 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 no. The way that the Lord does it is that on the last day, that's when the books are closed. 
And that's when the final tally is made. And then and only then will the saints come before their Lord to be judged by Him and to receive their full reward. Because then all the full reward, because every saint will be present. Because don't forget, our works follow us. And so it's the works that follow us are the saints of God. And so not all the saints that uh, Daniel's going to be ministering to are in heaven yet. They, a lot of them haven't been born yet. They're still going to be born into the earth and to be blessed by the book of Daniel. I'm just putting the book of Daniel forward as an example. Think of everyone uh, and all of the writings. Think about all the external writings outside of the Bible. All are blessing the body of Christ and will continue to bless the body of Christ until such a time as our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And so that's why the books have not yet been closed and no saint has yet received their reward from the Lord. And so that's another false and a whole lot of there have been many visions of people who have seen all oh, the rewards and the thrones and all. And that's all rubbish. That's outside of the word of God. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. And so we can reject it. You see why it's so important for us as believers to be firmly uh, have our firm foundations in these doctrines because we can benchmark the stuff that comes into our lives and say, wait a minute, that's not the Bible because the Bible doesn't teach that. So, you know, thank you very much. You carry on with your false vision. Let's have a look at a scripture as to when the saints are in fact going to be uh, receiving their reward and be judged for that which they have done in the earth. And the first scripture we can have a look at is in Revelation chapter 11, beginning at verse 15. Uh, the scripture says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Verse 18, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. And, now look at this, And the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so it's only at the seventh trumpet. Now the seventh trumpet, if you go look at the book of Revelation, is right at the end of the age. That is when the Lord will reward his prophets and his saints. So there's coming, nobody has been rewarded by the Lord before that time. All will be rewarded at that time. When our Lord Jesus, when that seventh tr uh, trumpet is sounded by the angel, and then and only then will our Lord Jesus Christ reward his servants, the prophets, and the saints. Not before. Not before. Scripture's playing along this line. We need to look at what the Bible says about this topic and just stick with it. Another scripture we can have a look at is in Psalm chapter 50. Psalm 50, beginning at verse 1. This is also speaking about our Lord when he returns to the earth. And have a look at what he's going to do. Uh, verse 1 says, The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Verse 4, He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth. What? Why? That he may judge his people. Verse 5, Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, righteousness for God himself is judged. And so that particular passage of scripture is very clearly referring to our Lord Jesus Christ returning to the earth. Now when he returns to the earth, he's gathering his saints from heaven and, and earth. Uh, our Lord spoke about it in the Gospels exactly the same, that when he returns, he, his angels will gather his saints from the farthest part of heaven and the farthest part of earth, and they will meet to, to the Lord. And here he says, um, gather my saints together to me. Um, sorry, verse 4, he says, he shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. 
And it's only on that day that our Lord will judge us. And it's only as a result of our Lord's judgment that we will be then rewarded by our Lord. And it's only as a case of our, our rewards that we're going to get from our Lord that thrones will be given and uh, our eternal rewards will be given to us. Not before. No one gets anything before that day. And that day will only occur when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Remember, uh, Paul said to Timothy, he says, uh, I know that I've got the crown of righteousness laid up in store for me, which our Lord will give to me on that day. And so Paul was very clear. He, he understood that when he went to be with the Lord, he wasn't going to get his crown of righteousness. He would only get it on that day, that day being the day of judgment that the saints would enter to, into with our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, our Lord also reaffirmed this truth to us in Luke chapter 14, beginning well, for verse 14. He says, and you will be blessed, uh, speaking to um, how his saints, if they were to bless others and give to others. He says, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. He's talking about when you hold a feast, you shouldn't invite people that can invite you back. You should invite the homeless and those who cannot invite you back because they can't repay you. He says, but this is when you're going to get repaid. He says, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid when? At the resurrection of the just. Not before. At the resurrection of the just. When will the resurrection of the just take place? When the first resurrection takes place. That is the resurrection of the just. The first resurrection. When we are raised from the dead. It's at that time that the saints will enter into judgment with our Lord Jesus. We will meet him in the air. And we will be judged on, in, our, in heaven with our Lord in the clouds really while God the Father is pouring out his wrath on the earth but we don't want to go down that road because that's more covered in more detail in uh, the teaching on the resurrection of the dead but nevertheless we will only be repaid at the resurrection of the just not before so don't fall for false visions that talk about people that have seen their mansions that they've got uh, and they've seen people sitting on thrones. Paul's got his throne. Peter's got his throne. Rubbish. No one's got anything. Everybody's resting in heaven at this time. It is only when our Lord Jesus would come back to the earth and the saints are raised from the dead at the resurrection of the just. That is when the saints will be judged and that is when we will receive our rewards from our Lord Jesus Christ. Another scripture that reinforces that for us, our Lord, in Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, speaking to our Lord, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that when, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve uh, thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So when does this happen, Lord? Our Lord says, and it in the regeneration. When's the regeneration? The regeneration is the resurrection of the dead. That is the regeneration. When our bodies are regenerated from this dust that they will decay into and to the resurrected bodies that our Lord Jesus Christ will give us. And so it's only at the resurrection the regeneration, that the Lord's uh, 12 apostles of the lands will receive their, th their 12 thrones, not before that time. And everybody, our Lord says, will receive their reward on that day, at the regeneration, 
That is the first resurrection. Another scripture we can have a look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Holy Spirit writing through the Apostle Paul to the church, and he says, Therefore judge nothing before the time. Why? There's no judgment before the time. Until when? Until the Lord comes. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart? Then each one's praise will come from God. And so the judgment that will be incurred is only going to be incurred when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Until the Lord comes. When the Lord comes, then he's going to bring to light all the hidden stuff. And everything will then be judged in the openness. And it's only going to take place when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. And so there is a set day when in, in the future when the saints will be judged. And that set day is at the first resurrection, when the saints are raised from the dead. Currently, all the saints who currently fall asleep in the Lord, they go to absent from the body to be present with the Lord. They are in the Lord's presence in paradise. Those who are martyred go to be under the altar of God. And they are there all resting at this point in time, resting from their labors. And their works are following them, and their works are still following them into heaven even today. And the books are still being written. And there's coming a day when our Lord, again, the trumpet will be blown, the archangel will give a shout, and God the Father will send our Lord Jesus back to the earth. And our Lord, when he returns to the earth, will gather his saints from the farthest parts of heaven and the farthest parts of earth. And the resurrection of the dead will take place, which is the first resurrection of the saints. And we will meet the Lord in the air, and we will always be together with the Lord. While we're in the air, that is when the saints, that is our day of judgment. And when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ, on that day, at the regeneration, at the resurrection of the dead, we will then receive our inheritance from the Lord. And only on that day will each one of us then receive our inheritance from the Lord. And so that is the timeline with regards to the eternal judgment that will be incurred by the saints. And again, there have been uh, many false visions given to the body of Christ that uh, saints have already received their rewards and they have these mansions in heaven. Um, and that's all absolute rubbish. It's not the Bible. Not one saint has been rewarded for anything yet because no one saint has stood before their Lord to be judged by him. And that's still to take place. And that day of judgment is coming, but it's a set day. And that set day will take place when our Lord returns to the earth and the first resurrection takes place, which is the resurrection of the saints. And that is the day that all of us will be judged uh, for the works that we have done. Because as I say, at that time, then the books will be closed because there'll be no more saints uh, to minister to. Because all the saints will be with the Lord. They'll all be present with Him for all eternity. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.